The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The past three nights, we've been looking at some parables Jesus taught to try and answer some basic questions in this year of mercy. We started with the story of the prodigal son to try and answer the question, what is mercy? And then we looked at the parable of the silly landowner who paid the last comers big bucks, not because they deserved it, but because of his love. And that was to teach us how much God loves us. And then last night we saw the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee who said, how great I am. I'm so good, I can look down on everyone else. And the publican who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Every night I have asked you as individuals, as families, and as a parish community to ask yourselves whose side am I on 
Who am I in each story? But tonight we move on to something slightly different. We've just heard the gospel of the Beatitudes. A gospel, I think, that we all know. Now, before I talk about the Beatitudes at all, I want to give you a word of warning. Never answer the phone early in the morning if you know it's the bishop. <laughs> I have been hit twice in the last two years. I was on holiday in Gran Canaria, one of the Canary Islands, and the first morning of my holiday, I always reward myself with a long lie in bed. And my mobile phone went, it's the bishop, I'd better answer it. So he said, Dennis, you know how our vicar general was running the synod and organizing all these meetings about how the diocese should look and act in the future? I knew what was coming. The vicar general had just been made bishop of a neighboring diocese and the bishop needed a fall guy. He said, I'd like you to be moderator of the synod. Thank you, Bishop. <laughs> so for a year, I was organizing meetings and chairing meetings and talking at meetings about the future of the diocese and what kind of church we could be and should be. On Monday last week, just before I left to come to the United States, my phone went again at 7.15. It's the bishop. I'd better answer it. And he said, Dennis, I know you're really happy in your parish. And I know that later this morning, you're heading out to the States. I just want to tell you, when you come back, I'm moving you to another parish. And he gave me the, the other parish let's just say, has suffered a bit of neglect. The kind of parish I'm in just now is an old historic parish. I get 60 people at Mass Monday to Friday. I get hundreds on the weekend. The bishop tells me the parish I'm going to has 30 people coming on a Sunday and 40 on a good Sunday. And there are reasons for that that I understand. And my job is to go in and try and build up a community again. So if you've seen me praying over these past few days, that's the main thing I've been praying about. That God will help me build up a community of mercy in my own parish that I'm going to. But hopefully some of my thoughts will have a relevance to Sacred Heart. But remember, phone calls from the bishop early in the morning, ignore. <laughs> I think the question that we face tonight is, how do I, as an individual Christian, 
Show that I believe in a God who has been merciful and loving to me. And then the knock-on effect. How do we in this parish, or me in my parish that I'm going back to, how do we as a parish community show to the world around us that's hostile, inquisitive, suspicious, that we believe and love a God who is merciful. Now, there are two extremes. I think you get some people who think to build up a parish, you put on more masses, you use more incense, you buy fancier vestments, and I don't think that's convincing. The other extreme says, never mind about mass, never mind about prayer. We should be out helping the poor and the distressed and those in need. I think if you do that for any length of time, you get exhausted and demoralized. So I'm going to tell you a wee story that happened to me in my student days in Rome. I was doing graduate studies in moral theology. In some courses you had to take, and some courses were electives. And I had signed up for a course on the love of God in the first letter of St. John. That's a letter where he goes on and on about God being love. Was I ever disappointed? The course was incredibly boring, even by Roman university standards. <laughs> the prof was a nice guy, but he spent hours going on about Greek verbs and irregular constructions. So I turned up for class 8.30 on a cold Roman morning. The prof came in, saw that we were all seated, and then he went to the door and he ushered in a little figure dressed in white, trimmed with blue. And we kind of pinched ourselves and said, could this really be Mother Teresa? So the prof said, I know many of you are disappointed by what you've learned or not from this course. So I thought I'd bring somebody to talk to us who knows more about the love of God than most of us. So Teresa began her speech, very simple, very straightforward, not kind of over-the-top pious, just simple, plain words. And she explained how she had been a nun, a teaching nun, in Calcutta. And for years, she would walk from the safety of her convent to the safety of her posh school for nice, rich girls. But as time went on, something began to eat away at her. And she realized that God was calling her 
to leave the security of the convent and the school and dedicate herself to the poorest of the poor. So she left, took on Indian dress, and spent the rest of her life picking people out of the gutter to help them to die with dignity. Then she became internationally known and last month was canonized. When she came to talk about her work, she was very straightforward. She said, I don't like smelly people. I don't like dying people. The only reason I can love them, the only way I can serve them, is by praying for an hour each morning before Mass. She said, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have the strength to do what I do. She said, people call me a saint. That's stupid talk. She said, I'm just an ordinary Christian serving where God wants me to serve. And that's all any of us can do. Be an ordinary Christian serving where God wants us to serve. But I suggest that in our search for a renewed parish, prayer, liturgy, worship are essentials. Because if we forget God and the honour due to God, then it's hard to give our neighbour his or her rightful place in our lives. So how could, should a parish reflect the mercy of God? By being a welcoming parish, a gracious parish, by providing liturgy of the best quality that we can, so that anyone who comes to our parish gets a positive experience of love, of care, of concern, of welcome. I'm asking myself this question. If Jesus walked in, what kind of welcome would we give him? Because he'd look like a Palestinian. Perhaps he's been on the road for a few days. He might be hygienically challenged. He doesn't look like us, smell like us, talk like us. So do we keep him at arm's length? Or do we welcome him? In. I know from my own parish experience, it's very hard always to be welcoming. And sometimes you're taken in, 
Sometimes you're suckered into giving money that you don't really have. And yet the day we stop being a welcoming parish, I don't think we're a parish of mercy. I think if we praise and worship and love God in the church, then we are commanded, empowered, impelled to love and serve our neighbour outside the church. And I know that this parish contributes greatly to Catholic charities, to other parishes in need, and to other parts of the church in less fortunate parts of the world. Father Kevin has told me with great pride of what you do and the open-hearted way that you give. Remember what I said last night. It all depends on us being prepared to go that bit more. There's a bit in all of us that says, I've done enough. Jesus asks us a little more for the sake of my mercy. Pope Francis wrote a letter to all the church called The Joy of the Gospel. And he said in it, that we should love and serve our neighbour with a smile, not looking as if we're coming from a funeral. Being a Christian means we have been blessed. Being a Christian means we have a treasure. Being a true Christian means we have to share that treasure in joy, in peace, any way we can. I think we're all aware of professional Christians who come up and smack our back and tell us about Jesus loving us. It doesn't work as evangelism. The only way to spread the gospel is to love people, not to preach at them. To comfort people, not to judge them. To draw people in and not push them away. A parish mission is supposed to change a parish with God's help. A parish mission should push us that bit further forward in loving God and each other and our neighbour. Let's just take this moment of silence to open our hearts to God's Spirit and to ask him, Lord, what 
more step do I need to take to put your gospel at the service of all?